The Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640. You want to get hold of Lior anytime. Very simple, 1-855-821-5900. The email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. A lot of stuff to cover, and uh, we always start the week with the week that was, and we'll get to that, and we'll get to Severance Pay Calculator, a tool you need to know about. But first, uh, as I mentioned, the week that was. Yes, John. Thank you very much. I'm ba- glad to be back here. Always always a pleasure. Happy to talk about employment law, workplace rights, and everything in between. And, uh, you know, we want to start off with a couple of situations that I saw in the previous week because there's important lessons to be learned there. The first situation, John, I'm going to tell uh, you about involved a company that was in the business of install or is in the business of installing pools, swimming mm-hmm. pools. And they employed about uh, half a dozen guys. And what they did with these individuals is they said, we're changing the way we pay you. So instead of paying you by the hour, we're going to cha- pay you based on a job, a job rate instead of mm-hmm. an hourly rate. And we want you to sign a new agreement, a new employment agreement, confirming this change. Well, these individuals, uh, obviously after speaking to me and being a bit educated about their rights, decided, no, we're not going to sign this agreement. We don't want this change, so we're not going to sign the agreement. Well, the employer did exactly what they sh- it shouldn't have done in response. And they said, well, because you refused to sign this new employment agreement, you've resigned. Now that is a resignation. You're sitting here shaking your head now because you know, mm-hmm. having been with me on the show for three years, that it's not a resignation. Of course it's not. An employee does not have an obligation to sign a new employment agreement. Uh, even if the change that the employer imposes is not a significant change, they can simply say, well, I'm telling you that effective next week, we're changing your compensation scheme. Fine. Maybe it's a constructive dismissal. Maybe it's not. But what it definitely isn't because the employee refused to sign, it's not a resignation. So what this employer did, not only uh, did it not have employees that resigned, it now terminated these Mm -hmm. people and it owes them severance. And uh, these people uh, probably would have continued working with this new job rate. Instead, they're going to be paid severance. And in fact, for them, severance is significant. They've each worked more than 10 years for this Mm -hmm. company. So remember, very important, uh, this happens often, maybe in different contexts, an employer wanting an employee to sign a new employment agreement during the course of employment. You can't be made to sign a new employment agreement. If you don't sign, that's not a resignation. You can't be terminated for cause for refusing to sign an employment agreement. Uh, So for employers, again, if you want them to sign an employment agreement, if they refuse, you can certainly let them go, but that is a termination without cause, which means you have to pay them their full severance. And if they do sign it, you have to give them something anyway to make it binding? Yeah. If you have an employee uh, that's already working for you and you want them to sign a new employment agreement, you have to give them something in return to make that enforceable. If they simply sign it because they don't know any better, it's not enforceable because they haven't gotten anything in return. So it could be a signing bonus, a pay increase, uh, more vacation, anything extra that they get. And if, if you give them that and then they sign an employment agreement, that's enforceable. So employees, if you did sign an employment agreement after you started working, that actually may not be an enforceable agreement. And uh, the next one for the week that was. Yes, the mm-hmm. next situation, uh, different, touching on this concept of uh, constructive dismissal. Uh, in this case, uh, my, my client, the person that I spoke with, uh, had a good job, made $100,000 a year salary, but he also had a significant bonus, which was worth about $25,000, uh, about 25% of his income. And he's gotten it every year for the past five years. You could set your watch to it. It was always mm-hmm. paid the same time, always the same amount. Well, fast forward to January, uh, or I guess go back to January of this year, uh, where his employers tell, uh, announced not just to him, but for all employees, that we decided to dispose of the bonuses this year. We're no longer going to pay bonuses this year at all. Hope he's not putting in a pool. 
Yeah, I know, <laughs> Griswold. Uh, so in that situation, uh, for him, this would mean for this individual a $25,000 a year pay cut. Sure. And his employer said, well, bonuses are discretionary anyways. Uh, it's our policy that we de- we decide if and when and how we pay bonuses. So we have a right to eliminate this bonus. Well, the, th- the thing is, because he always got the same bonus the same time for five years, it's no longer discretionary. Mm-hmm. It becomes a regular and an important component of his compensation. And because of that, when his employer now announced, you're not going to get this, essentially you're getting a 25% roughly pay cut, that is a constructive dismissal. So what I told the individuals, well, you have an option. You can accept this change, and now you're making $25,000 a year less. Okay, if that's what you want. Or you can treat that as a termination uh, and now walk away and get your severance. And for him, severance would be about 10 months pay. Uh, senior position, older gentleman. So uh, he decided to go with the constructive dismissal to get a severance. He was also concerned about the fact that if he let his employer change his compensation, then they could do it again in the future, and he didn't right. want that. So very important, an employer can't just change your bonus by saying, well, it's discretionary anyway. If you've been getting your bonus regularly, it becomes a component of your compensation, and it cannot be removed, it cannot be eliminated or changed without your consent. Having talked to you, is it ever the case where in this case, for instance, he would go back and say, you know, I just talked to Leori, he's an employment lawyer. Here's the facts, Jack. I can either walk out of here being a constructive dismissal. You have to pay me my severance for full, my full severance, or uh, we can just forget about this. You can give me my bonus and carry on. Yeah, the problem with that is, and, and, and we've tried that a few times, and in a couple of cases it's worked. The problem with that is you're going to your employer essentially threatening him uh, and saying, well, you know, if you don't reinstate this, I'm going to involve a lawyer. We're going to take legal action for constructive dismissal. So let's just pretend it never happened. That's never going to bode well for the continued relationship. You know, if you're going to take for that sure. step, in most cases, even if the employer backs off because they realize they don't have a choice, it's still going to make things very uncomfortable. So it's probably not a good idea. If you're going to accept the change, accept it, continue working. Otherwise, you're better off leaving and just getting your severance. Got a minute before we uh, drop out of the first segment. Give us a, a quick one. We'll do it a couple more times during the hour with severance pay calculator. Well, these individuals that I've talked to you about are all uh, old severance. And one way for them to find out how much severance is they can go to severancepaycalculator.com. It's the tool that I've created. It makes it easy for anyone to find out exactly how much compensation, how much severance they are owed if they lost their job. And remember, John, even if you work for a small company, even if you work for a short period of time, Mm. you are still owed severance. The easiest way to find that, other than calling me always, is severancepaycalculator.com. We'll get to more of the show in just a minute. In the meantime, your emails, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to a bunch of those. And the number anytime, even when the show is over, is 1-855-821-5900. The Employment Hour continues on AM640 and AM900 CHML. The Employment Hour right here, the number to get a hold of Lior if you need him sometime uh, during your career, you probably will, or a family member will for sure, one 821 5900 and at employmenthour.com. Let's tackle this one today. And uh, you need an employment lawyer when? We'll go through a bunch of these. I sound like, uh, you know, Foxworthy, right? <laughs> but uh, in a different angle. So how about this? You need an employment lawyer when? You've been let go, the big obvious yeah, one, right? Yeah, that, that's the big one. And even though it's the big one, even though we've been talking about this for about three years here on the show, John, a lot of individuals don't know that they need an employment lawyer when they've been let go because there's assumptions and there's misconceptions oh. out there. And God knows how many times have we ta- tackled these on already, but I see this every single day. Uh, this uh, this morning, uh, I got an email uh, from someone saying, I was let go and 
Uh, I'm assuming I, I don't get severance because I work for a small company. How do I find out if I am, in fact, owed severance? Well, no, of course you're owed severance, and of course you're owed compensation, and in most cases, uh, you're not going to be offered sufficient compensation because either your employer doesn't know any better or your employer hopes that you don't know any better, which is why it's so important to get some legal advice. So this is a rule. There's really no exceptions to this rule, and that is if you lost your job, with cause, without cause, short-term employee, long-term employee, lots of money or little money, you have to get legal advice. And if you don't like me, then speak to another lawyer, but you have to speak to someone. And by the way, a good starting point, if you want, even before you speak with a lawyer, is you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Mm -hmm. John, these issues tend to be very easy to resolve. Uh, but you know, I can't help someone if they won't contact me. So I really do encourage any, everyone that's been let go, you really have to get legal advice Give me a call anytime. You know, never mind the countless number of phone calls you get in your office every week. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had just with friends and family members. It kind of bleeds into employment, and people will say with absolute conviction, they'll bet their life, nope, two weeks per year is what you get. That's yeah. the law. That's, that, that's what it is. It's not true. It's not true. And, you know, we have about well, 15 lawyers actually in my office. Each of them get calls like that every day. Mm -hmm. You can imagine how many calls we're talking about from people saying, you know, I, 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 I know I shouldn't be calling you up. You know, I'm, I almost feel bad calling you because I got my two weeks per year of service, so I guess that's all I get. Well, no, forget it. That in many cases you could be owed three times that, five times that, even ten times that, mm -hmm. depending on, on on the situation. So very, very important uh, to understand that when you lost your job, John, is a very uh, important time for you to make sure you get your entitlements. You don't have income because you just lost your job, but your bills don't stop. Your other legal ob or uh, financial obligations don't stop. And that severance is your insurance. That severance is the money that you get to carry you until you find that next job. We're talking about the times you need an employment lawyer when the employer is building up a case against you with bad performance reviews. Yeah, so uh, we've talked about this before. If you think your employer is really trying to push you out and your employer is doing that by building up a case against you, uh, giving you warnings, bad performance reviews, uh, you know, ma making it uh, very uncomfortable for you to continue working, what your employer is often trying to do in that situation is build up a case for cause, trying to create a situation mm -hmm. where it can let you go and not have to pay you any severance. So when your employer is doing that, you need to be able to respond and deal with that. You don't want your employer to manage to successfully build its case and then they let you go for cause and it's going to be very difficult to get you severance. So one of the things that I often get involved in is help the individuals build up their own case, the ability to respond to what the employer is doing so that the employer cannot build up its case for cause and we preserve that severance. So if you feel your employer is trying to push you out, all of a sudden you, you're now no longer a good employee according to your employer, you're getting all these bad negative uh, reviews, you have to get some legal advice. We need to put some things into place that will prevent your employer for letting you go from letting you go without severance. What kind of things are you talking about? How do you build up your case on their side? You want to ha always have uh, records and documents backing up your side of the story. You want to be able to craft a response to your employer outlining why you disagree with their comments, you disagree with their bad performance reviews. So that has to be done and it has to be done in a proper way and an intelligent way and addressing a few things. So I often kind of help ghostwrite, if you will, mm -hmm. a response to the employer in the employee's name uh, that sets out their position, explains why they're not really guilty of whatever they've been accused of, of 
uh, and, and that makes it much, much more difficult for the employer to let someone go for cause because if you don't respond, it almost seems like you're agreeing right. with it uh, and you never want that to happen. one 821 5900 is Lior's number anytime. Talking about the times you should and need an employment lawyer when you've been offered. Here we go. We talked about this off the, uh, off the top of the week that was a new employment agreement to sign. Yeah, so l- let, me, let me break it down in two ways. You need an employment lawyer if you've just been offered a job, so you're happy, you've been offered a job, and you have an employment agreement uh, in front of you, and you also need a, a probably even more important an employment lawyer or to speak with an employment lawyer if you're already working for the company, and now the company's coming to you wanting you to sign a new agreement. Uh, an employment agreement is a document that favors the employer. Especially when it's midway through. Especially. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way ever your employer is going to come to you once you're already working, wanting you to sign an agreement, unless that agreement is very, very favorable to the employer, which means it takes some of the rights that you would otherwise have and eliminates them. So, for example, it may eliminate your future severance. Your employer may want you to sign an agreement that says, amongst other things, that, by the way, employee, if we let you go down the road, we're not going to pay you severance. We're only going to pay you a minimal amount of severance. And that alone could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So you have to get some legal advice. Perhaps the agreement allows the employer to change your job duties, change your compensation, uh, to relocate you. We need to see those things. You need to know what you're signing, what you're agreeing to. And by the way, John, in most cases, it's actually not difficult to negotiate the terms of an agreement. So it's not just about understanding what it says. That's extremely important. But we can oftentimes negotiate once we know what the issues are with the agreement. And you've often said that when it comes to an employment agreement, especially a new one for a new job, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's the one third of the, ice, the iceberg you see above water, and that is the pay and the holidays. That's what people look at. It's the stuff you can't see, you should be paying attention to that can sink you, right? Yeah. And, and oftentimes th- those things we're talking about that you, you won't, it won't be obvious for you unless you're a, a lawyer yourself could be worth a heck of a lot more than whether your salary is 67000 or 70000 So there's very important things that we need to look at. An employment agreement is an extremely important document. It's a document that governs what you do in your job and your rights at work. It's a very, very important document. Too many people, don't, John, just sign it uh, without giving it much thought, much mm-hmm. consideration. And later on, they pay the price. I've okay. seen that so many times, people having to accept pennies on the dollar when it comes to severance because seven years earlier, they signed an employment agreement without giving it a second thought. The number is one 821 5900 The email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to an email as soon as we come back and continue our discussion of uh, the things you need an employment for uh, employment lawyer for and when. That's coming up right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Lior's number anytime, one 821 5900 And Lior at employment I mentioned email get to one of those uh, right away here. Then we get back into the things you need an employment lawyer for and when. Sean writes in, says, my boss, who is the owner of the company, keeps sending me and other male employees pornography, which uh, which which he finds on the internet. That's interesting. Uh, this makes me very uncomfortable. What should I do? You know, I've, I've seen this before, uh, John. It's almost kind of like, you know, like a boys club. You know, we're all kind of the boys right. and here's a picture that I found online. Well, the problem with that is a lot of people may actually be very uncomfortable with that. You know, you can't assume that just because someone is a guy, he's going to be comfortable or have any desire to look at pornography. So that is completely inappropriate in the workplace. I guess what makes it more difficult in this situation, because it's the actually the boss doing it. Normally, you'd, you'd want to go maybe complain to someone, but if it's the guy, it's the owner of the company, right. you, you can't really complain to someone. So here's what I would do in this situation. 
I would first of all I would approach the boss and I would tell him very honestly, listen, I'm not I'm not into this. I'm not into pornography. It makes me uncomfortable. So don't include me on that. Uh, and and hopefully that set, settles it. I would expect that it would. Yep. If it doesn't, and says ah, who cares? And I'll do it anyway. That could be a constructive dismissal. If your boss keeps sending you pornographic pictures and you've told them to stop and they don't, guess what? Uh, that's creating a work environment that makes it uh, very difficult to continue working. It makes you uncomfortable. That would be a constructive dismissal. So he would potentially be able to treat his employment as being terminated and get his severance. So as a first step, I would want him to talk to the boss, ask the boss to stop, to take him off his mailing list for these uh, pictures. And beyond that, if it does continue, we need to talk about the idea of constructive dismissal. And we're going to get back into that conversation. It's the time you need to contact an employment lawyer and when for what. We talked about the uh, you know signing of a new employment agreement. How about the employer has changed the terms of your employment as, you, as you're in there now? Yeah, and, and very common. Probably one of the top you know, two or three uh, scenarios that I come across in my practice is employers changing terms of employment. Uh, we're going to reduce your pay. We're going to demote you. We're going to put you in a different job with different hours. Uh, mm-hmm. And an employee faced in that situation, if it's a significant enough of a change, they're not required to accept that. They can treat that as a constructive dismissal. They can leave and get their severance. So they're not ob- obliged to, to accept the change they're not comfortable with. The thing is, in terms of needing an employment lawyer, you need to speak with me. You need to speak with an employment lawyer as soon as that happens. You can't accept the change and you know, six months later say, now I'm going to speak right. to Lior because I, I shouldn't have accepted it six months ago. By then, it's too late. You need to get some legal advice as soon as these changes happen. You have a very, very short window to do something about it. Uh, so if your employer changes the terms of your employment, give me a call. What I don't want anyone to do, and I've said this before, is if you are faced with changes in the workplace, I don't want you resigning, okay? Because it's not every change that is a constructive dismissal. Right. Before you even consider resigning, you give me a call. We're talking about times you should contact your employment lawyer like Lior. How about this? Your employer won't let you come back. We've, we've had calls this on the show, by the way, come back from a disability or won't accommodate medical restrictions. Yeah, uh, probably, uh, again, another top four or five uh, type of uh, scenarios that I see. An employer has a very strict legal duty to accommodate an individual's medical conditions, even if that means changing the job, modified duties, modified hours, uh, even different work locations, etc., Uh, It's a very strict duty. And if an employer won't do that, if the employer says, no, we're not going to take you back unless you can do your old job in exactly the same way, you you need to get some legal advice because what the employer is doing in that situation is illegal. It's a violation of the human rights code. Uh, So that's number one. You have to get legal advice as soon as that happens. Number two, uh, if your employer simply won't let you come back to, from work. So your employer says, well, employee, you've been off work for a year now. You no longer uh, work here. So why would you want to come back? Well, again, just because you've been off work for, on a disability for a year doesn't change the fact you're still an employee and you still have a right to your job. If you don't get it, potentially that's a human rights issue. It's certainly a termination, which entitles you to severance. So very common situations, if your employer won't accommodate you, or if your employer won't let you come back to work after a medical leave, you absolutely must get some legal advice. This one might fly under the same banner, if not uh, more so. That is, you're pregnant or had a baby and your employer does anything to you. You bold typed anything. Yeah, and and anything is the key message here, John, Uh, simply because if you're pregnant, if you advise your employer you're pregnant, you're going to be taking maternity leave, nothing can or should happen to you. You can't be penalized. You can't be disciplined. You can't be terminated. 
And oftentimes what I see is an employer saying, well, you know, we, we, you know, Barbara has only been working here for six months. She's going to be taking a mat leave. Is there a way to get rid of her uh, before she goes off? Maybe we'll start writing her up. Maybe we'll just say her performance is bad. Well, that's, again, we can see through that. If all of a sudden you're a bad employee and up until now you were a great employee and the only thing that's changed is now you're pregnant, again, that's illegal. So if your employer is now picking on you, quote unquote, or your employer won't let you come back from a maternity leave or will tell you to come back to a different position than what you had before you went on maternity leave, that is illegal. There's human rights issues there. That's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. Uh, so no matter what, you absolutely have to get legal advice in that situation. I know you've had this situation in your office before when it comes to, you know, mat leave and pregnancy leave. I mean, sometimes, I mean, this is just, this is just plain sneaky. You know, get someone who will start a job and literally two weeks in, they'll say, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I actually had that last week. Correct. And then you still can't do anything about it. You know, you absolutely cannot. You absolutely cannot. Oh, and, and, infuriating and, as that. <laughs> and, and I would completely understand the frustration of the employer in that case. I, I, I agree, and I would probably be very upset with that as well. But that said, from a legal standpoint, you absolutely cannot do anything about it, uh, and I wouldn't even try. Uh, it, it's, it's wrong on many levels. The law is the law, whether we like it or not. So, like I said, my, my, my line here for you is if your employer does anything to you, once you've advised them that you're pregnant, that's illegal. And before they start the job, you can't ask them if they're pregnant, can you? No, you cannot <laughs> ask them. You cannot ask them. I see Scotty here, our producer, shaking yeah. his head. No, you absolutely cannot do that. It's a wrong question. You can't ask someone uh, anything related to pregnancy, how no. many kids are going to have, anything like that. It's illegal. The very asking of that question is illegal. We'll take a short break. The number is one 821 5900 The email is leor at employmenthour.com. Watch more of the show coming up on Talk Radio AM 640 and and AM 900 CHML. The number is one 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior even when the show is off the air. Lior at employmenthour.com. We're talking different situations where an employment lawyer is definitely needed and when you should contact one like Lior. Uh, you're not getting paid overtime. This is a weekly phone call for you too as well. Huh? Yeah, and, and a lot of individuals don't get paid overtime when they should be either because they don't know any better, the employer doesn't know better, or, or maybe the employer hopes they can get away with it. So very simple, if you work more than 44 hours a week, unless you're a manager, okay, then you're entitled to overtime for those people that are regulated uh, uh, provincially. It's 40 hours for those regulated uh, federally. There's some exceptions to that. Cer certain positions don't get overtime. For example, lawyers, we don't get overtimes, accountants, doctors. But many, most other positions, if you work more than 44 hours a week and you're not a manager, you get overtime, which is time and a half. That applies even if you're on salary. Hmm. So if you uh, are not getting that, if you don't meet those criteria, give me a call. In most cases, actually, I can help you get that overtime uh, and it should be pretty easy to do. How about harassment cases, either with your boss or supervisor or even a coworker? You know, the, you, if you're facing harassment, and by the way, it's probably the, the thing that I've seen grow the most in my practice, the type of practice that I do, the, 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 the types of issues that I've seen grow the most are the harassment issues. Uh, employers harassing individuals or coworkers, someone being a victim of harassment, uh, and things get worse and worse and worse. And the reason why you have to get legal advice and get it early, it's actually nothing to do with the law. The reason you have to get legal advice is because if you don't, if you let it continue, it's going to start impacting your health. And I've seen that before many times. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, you know, it may eventually require you to go off work. You're going to have uh, some sort of a disability condition, mm -hmm. uh, depression, anxiety. So don't let it get to that point. 
In many cases, if you're a, a victim of harassment, we can either craft a response to the HR, or to, the, to the owner of the company, to have them deal with it, or potentially, if that's not possible, we can get you out of that work pay, workplace with severance, with compensation. So the bottom line is you don't have to suffer alone. If you're a victim of harassment, you have to get legal advice. You want to shoot us an email or shoot Lior an email anytime, Lior, L-A-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Beth writes in, says, my husband's uh, work is in construction. He has never been laid off in 10 years, but his employer just gave him a notice of layoff saying he may be called back to work sometime in May. What can he do? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the same rules apply, John, in construction as apply in other industries. If you're laid off temporarily, that is a termination. Now, especially in a situation just like in, in this one, where the individual has not been laid off before, and there's no history of layoffs. Mm-hmm. So usually a first layoff, a first temporary layoff is a termination. An employer doesn't have a right to do that, except in a unionized environment. So because of that, in this situation, Beth's husband is actually owed severance. He doesn't have to sit at home hoping that maybe in May they'll call him back, keeping his fingers crossed. He's allowed to get his severance right now. He can treat his employment as being terminated. So, Beth, have your husband call me, uh, you know, sitting at home and waiting until May, not getting paid is going to be very, very tough. Let's get him a severance right now, and he can move on and find another position. And what happens if this time he says, eh, you know what, I got a little bit of a nugget saved up. I'll, I'll see if they call me back in May. And they do. Yeah. Well, what did I say, John? I said that the first layoff mm-hmm. is a termination, not the second. So the problem with him going back to work in May is next week, next month, next year, if they want to lay him off again, now they can actually do it legally because they've created that history, that precedent. So by allowing them to get away with it on day one or, or the first time, they can do it again in the, in the future. And that's going to be a very tough situation where he has no job security. He can be laid off again for months at a time. Uh, just a very bad, uh, bad situation. I would never recommend that. The email is Lior at employmenthour.com. The phone call, or at least the phone number anytime, even outside of show hours, one 821 5900 Going to get into a topic I know you love, and that is why it's sometimes much better not to be part of a union. Yeah, let me, before we go there, I want to make it clear, this mm-hmm. is nothing to do with politics. I'm not going to talk right. about the politics of whether one would want to be in a union or not. Strictly from a legal standpoint, I'm going to talk about why in many cases it's better off not to be part of a union. So, you know, I don't want people calling me and saying, Lior is anti-union and, you know, here's why unions are good. Unions have their place. In many cases, it could be a good thing. This is not about politics, but I'm going to go over a few scenarios and you'll understand exactly why, where, you know, you'd rather not be part of a union. First bullet point we got here is much more severance if you are let go. That's the big one, John, and we've touched on this. Uh, If you lose your job, you'd much rather lose your job not being part of a union than being part of a union, simply because as a unionized employee, in almost all cases, the amount of severance you'd be owed is going to be a fraction of what a non-unionized employee would get. In many cases, the collective agreement would stipulate the amount of severance you'd get, which would be one week's pay per year, maybe two weeks' pay per year, and that's it. Uh, and, and a non-unionized employee would be entitled to much, much, much more than that. So it could be a situation where we have two people working for 30 years. One is union, one is not union. They both lose their job, not because they did anything wrong. The union employee may get eight weeks' pay as severance, and the non-union employee may get two years' pay. So that difference there could be 22 months' pay. So if you lose your job, you... This is a fact. This is a given. There's no argument there. You'd much rather be non-unionized. 
Talking about uh, reasons or at least points in time where it's much better not to be part of a union. Ability to negotiate the terms of your own employment on your own. Yeah, and you know maybe it's just me, but I'd like the idea of being able to be kind of the you know the master of my destiny, uh, and that if I can uh, do a good job, I can negotiate the terms of the employment on my own. I don't have to be in, in the hands of someone else negotiating the terms of my employment for me. Uh, when you're a unionized employee, you don't have a say in terms of your pay, in terms of your benefits, in terms of your bonuses, nothing. It's all set by someone else without your input, without uh, any participation on your part, uh, and which means you, know, you, can't, uh, you can't do anything about it. So you know, if you want to negotiate the terms of your employment, you can't do that as a unionized employee. Uh, and for many people, they'll feel more comfortable with them having that control, them being able to negotiate their own terms of employment. And you mentioned, you know, negotiate your own, your own destiny. You can, as a non-union employee, I can employ someone like you in that regard. You can't if you're union. Yeah, no, you can't. This is probably the the big one. If you're a unionized employee, if there's a workplace situation, a workplace conflict, you cannot deal with it on your own. You cannot hire a lawyer to deal with it. You have to work with the union. The the union is your exclusive representative. Mm -hmm. You live by the union, you die by the union. And that's not necessarily a good thing because the union may have bigger fish to fry. Maybe the union has 25 things on their plate and you're number 26. The CBA is coming up for renewal, right? Yeah, and and so they have other things they're worried about. So, and and they're not going to make your matter a priority and maybe they don't want to upset the employer because they're trying to get other things from the employer and you're left holding the bag, You're, you're left without your conflict being resolved. I get calls every day, probably 10 times a day, John, 10 times a day, easy, five days a week, from unionized employees saying, here's my situation. I was let go. I was disciplined. I didn't get something I was owed. Uh, Union won't help me, Lior. Can you help me? And the answer is always, no, I cannot help you. It has to be the union. Even if the union refuses, it still has to be the union. So when is it better not to be unionized? If there's a workplace conflict. Because then you control that conflict. You can resolve it on your own or with your own lawyer. You're not dependent on the union to hopefully, maybe, at some point, do something for you. one 821 5900 at employmenthour.com. Those are the contacts. We'll get to more of this discussion as the Employment Hour continues on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 That is Lior's number to get a hold of him anytime. The email is Lior at employmenthour.com. And our discussion continues. We're talking about uh, sometimes why it's uh, much better not to be part of a union, more flexibility in dealing with workplace conflict. There you go. We just discussed that. We just that. discussed it. Yep. Can't use a lawyer. We can't use a lawyer at any time. But but there, there's a there's a second aspect to this, and that is if there is conflict, if you're a unionized employee to resolve that conflict, assuming the union is willing to help you, it takes so right. long, it takes forever. The union's really only recourse is to file a grievance. The problem with grievances, it takes forever to resolve. It could literally take years. You know, on average, if a grievance has to go out on arbitration, it could take two years, even longer than that. It can take three years or four years. And uh, if you don't, if you're not part of a union, if you're able to deal with it on your own or with your own lawyer, there are mechanisms that are imposed that allow you to resolve things potentially in weeks that otherwise would take the union years to resolve. So if there's workplace conflict, a non-unionized employee can resolve the matter much better and much quicker, uh, and, and they can control that process. Whereas with a unionized employee, very slow, very, very slow process. They don't control it at all. 
and they may in fact not get the help that they want because the union may decide not to help them. So not not a good situation. So workplace conflict, the non-unionized employees are always going to be much better off. And here's a big one for those that are uh, very ambitious and go-getters and do well in their job. That is promotions based on merit instead of seniority. Yeah. So if you're a unionized employee or in a unionized workplace, employer can always only promote usually based on seniority. Now, there may be other factors that they look at, but seniority is always factor number one. You should be always giving priority in a promotion to a, un- to a, uh, in a, sen- to a senior employee. So if you have uh, an employee that's been with you for 10 years and one that's been with you for two years, the 10-year employee is going to get priority uh, in a uh, unionized environment, even though he may not be as good. He may good. be dogging it for the last eight years Absolutely. and you're awesome. Yeah. Whereas you know, if you're, as you said, a go-getter, you want to know that, if, hey, if I do a good job, if I'm the best at what I do, I'm going to get that promotion because I'm the best rather than someone else that's been, you know, uh, not doing anything for the last 20 years, but because they have 20 years, they're going to get that promotion and not me. So, uh, you know, again, goes back to being the master of your destiny. You, you just can't be the master of your destiny in a unionized environment. It's a fact. Uh, so, again, probably in that situation, better not to be a unionized employee. And kind of along the same lines of, you know, promotions based on merit, if you're better at your job than someone else, you should be treated that way. Yeah. Right? So if you're better at your job, maybe you're owed more money or should be paid more money or a bigger bonus. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be equal. Five people doing the same job may not get the same pay because uh, the employer may, uh, may want to overcompensate or compensate someone more for the good job they're doing. An employer cannot do this in a unionized environment. In a unionized environment, the rates are governed by the collective agreement all the people doing the certain job have to get paid the same. So you may think, well, why am I going to work really hard and really excel? Because it's not going to mean more money for mm-hmm. me. It's not going to mean more bonus for me. Uh, and it just, you know, uh, creates complacency, I guess. So if you want to be treated and compensated based on how good you are and your contributions to the business, being not part of a union usually is much better. We'll talk about uh, use of social media here in a moment. First, the email is lior at employmenthour.com. Brian writes in, says, I've worked for a company for three years in a sales position, selling windows and doors, and I was just let go. They consider me to be uh, an independent contractor. I worked exclusively for them full-time, but uh, I did not have an office there, and I paid my own expenses. Am I entitled to severance? Am I an independent contractor? Yeah, so uh, very good question. And again, I would obviously want a bit more information from uh, Brian here. But ultimately, based on what uh, I know and what he said in his email, yeah, I think he's probably an employee, not an independent contractor. So even though he's treated as an independent contractor and probably taxed as an independent contractor, doesn't mean that he is. If he works exclusively for the company for three years, it's going to be very, very unusual for him not to be, in the eyes of the law, an employee. So if he lost his job after three years, depending on his age, he may well be owed six months severance, potentially even more. Uh, depending on his age and level of income. Mm -hmm. So I would certainly encourage him to call me. And there's an important lesson there, again, for all our listeners, and and that is it doesn't matter what you call yourself. It doesn't matter if you're treated as an independent contractor. If you work for a company exclusively, regular hours, under their direction and supervision, you are probably an employee. doesn't matter if you call yourself something else. Uh, It's it's very, very important to to, to remember that uh, and that's also important when you lose that job because that means if you're really an employee, you get your full severance. 
Have we done this, or had we started the show 10 years ago, this wouldn't be a major topic, but it is now. We're talking about the use of social media in the workplace. Can an employee uh, fire an employer, or an employer rather, fire an employee for using social media during work hours? Yeah, and, and an employer can eventually, and here's what I mean by that. There's an expectation, of course, that when you're working for the company, that you're going to be focusing on the employer's work. If you're getting paid for your time to work, you should be working. An employer should expect that. So if you're spending all your time or a lot of your time on social media, that's a problem. That means you're not doing your job. It's, in a sense, time theft. You're getting paid to sit in the computer and work, and instead you're sitting at a computer on your Facebook account. So you're getting paid for doing nothing. So when can an employer fire uh, the employee for doing that? Number one, if that conduct is excessive. So if you check your Facebook once in the morning and again uh, before you go, go home, it's not going to be a problem. It's expected you can spend a bit of time doing that. So it has to be excessive. You know, you're spending hours doing that. Second is if they've warned you if this is more than one time that's happened. So they've caught you using Facebook or social media excessively. Uh, they've provided you a warning and then it's happened again. They provided you another warning. When the third time comes around, maybe, maybe at that point they can consider letting you go for a cause. It's going to be very difficult. So you have to show excessive conduct. And you have to show that the employee was given other opportunities. He was provided with warnings. Maybe then the employer can consider a termination for cause. Quick break, my friend. We'll take a uh, quick one and get back with lots more of this topic. one 821 5900 is the number. And Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com for contact in that regard. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is one 821 5900 or Lior at employmenthour.com. Our discussion continues. That is the use of social media in the workplace. Um, how about things you post on social network, Facebook, otherwise during work hours? Are they private? Is there such a thing as a right to privacy when it comes to that stuff? Yeah, so if you're, you know, let's make it very clear. If you're using your com- uh, your computer at work, your employer's computer, your employer's uh, uh, equipment, there is no expectation or there shouldn't be an expectation of privacy. You should always assume that your employer has the ability to see what you're doing, what you're posting on their computer. Maybe they're not using that ability. Maybe they're not tracking or monitoring your activity, but they certainly can. So don't ever assume that just because uh, you're on your own private Facebook account, but you're on your work computer, that that's private. That also means that uh, if if you're posting something on your Facebook, on your private Facebook account that you don't want your employer to see, please don't do that on your work computer. Your employer can see that. And if you're Posting on your Facebook uh, and corresponding with your your friend across the hall that you know isn't our boss, boss is a jerk. such a right. such a, a big big jerk yeah that could be a problem for you so please don't ever assume that an employer can't see that from the employer's side what should they do if they see there's excessive use of social media in that workplace so first of all at these day, this day and age every employer should have a social media use policy and a computer use policy that outlines exactly what the expectations are of the employee what's acceptable what's not acceptable what they can do in the workplace and what they cannot so they have to have a policy like that, but a policy doesn't do you any good unless people know about it. So you want to circulate that policy, maybe have an info session when you go over it and explain exactly what's expected. Uh, and then you want to enforce that policy. Again, if you have a policy, but it sits in a drawer and you don't enforce it, and one day you say, hey, maybe now I'm going to enforce right. it. By then it's too late. You've condoned the behavior. 
So if you're going to have a policy, make sure you follow it. Make sure that if people breach it, there's consequences, there's discipline, uh, and you, you speak to them. You don't just let these matters slide uh, because that's just an invitation for individuals to take advantage of it and for the situation to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, not a good idea. What if some bullying takes place between two employees on social media? And, you know, an employee cannot ignore any uh, conflict or bullying between employees, even if it happens outside of the workplace and even if it happens on social media, because it can, in fact, transfer and translate into the workplace. Uh, and, and that creates a problem. An employer does have an obligation to protect individuals from harassment. So if you think someone is being bullied through social media and you know about that, you have to deal with it if it involves your employees. You can't just say, well, it doesn't happen uh, between 9 to 5 necessarily, so I'm going to ignore it, uh, because it could easily translate into the workplace, and by then you could have a problem. So ignorance is no excuse. Burying your head in the sand doesn't work. You have to take some action about it. LeorenEmploymentHour.com. A couple minutes left here before I get to our last bit of business, which is a severance pay calculator. I'll read an email which has that contained in it. And Melissa writes in and says, I signed my severance offer because my employer told me that if I didn't, I wouldn't get paid anything. I just used the severance calculator, and it says I am owed another, ready for this, $35,000. What do I do? Wow. What, what, a, what a tough situation for, for Melissa, but unfortunately one that I see quite often. Uh, yeah, first of all, the severance calculator is correct. So if it says you're, you're owed another $35,000, then yeah, that's right about what else you're owed. And most people, in fact, are going to be offered a lot less, just like Melissa. The problem is if she signed it, even though she felt the pressure to sign it, her employer made some threat, which is nonsensical, that she's not going to get anything, uh, she may not be able to get out of it. The only way she probably could get out of it is if she had to sign it on the spot. If the employer says, you're not leaving this room unless you sign this right now. If she took it home and she thought about it and she decided she had no choice but to sign it and she came back and signed it, she's probably stuck. So my best advice is give me a call. Let me find out exactly how you signed it, when you signed it, and see the agreement. But very important lesson there for all our listeners. You cannot, should not, anytime, ever sign a severance offer without getting legal advice. You don't want to find out a year later that you walked away from $35,000, $50,000, $100,000 that you're owed. Uh, Get that legal advice. Or, as we said, uh, we're going to talk about this right now. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly how much you're owed. If Melissa had gone to severancepaycalculator.com when she was terminated, she would have known exactly how much she's owed. She would have known she shouldn't be signing that because it's $35,000 short. So remember, severancepaycalculator.com. Not a good one, my friend. In the meantime, 1-855-821-5900. 1-855-821-5900 is Lior's number and Lior at employmenthour.com through email. This has been the Employment Hour once again on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.